Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Luke and Pete Show. It is a Thursday. I do hope you're keeping well wherever you may be or reside or exist. It might be torturous, your life, but I hope the Luke and Pete Show <laughs> is... Uh, is giving you a little glimmer of uh, of love and hope in your otherwise miserable existence. Luke Moore is with me. How are you doing, Luke? You all right? Pretty good, thanks. Where would you rank yourself on the life is torturous scale at the moment? One to ten, Pete? Uh, oh, definitely a ten, but it's very much torture I've put on myself, so I can't yeah. really complain. Can't complain, Luke. No, you, you've become like Morrissey. You're like, you're like someone who now wallows in your own displeasure, mm. and it's become like a brand for you now. Yeah, I love it. It's like well, it's a it's a brand that's very much kind of been foisted upon me by people like you, who yeah. kind of I I'd like to think myself as quite a happy-go-lucky yet passionate person. And uh, people, people must a, always remember a... I've bestowed that upon you to help cover mm. up the insecurities about my own life. So we're all we're all mm. we're all we're all fucking part of this, mate. Don't worry about that. We're all managing. We've all Luke, got a role to play. <laughs> uh, the Luke and Pete show. Did you hear that uh, the Taliban have uh, sponsored it, saying that this it's the only it's the only Luke and Pete show worth talking about? Quite frankly, yeah. So is this is this a reference to the fact that Donald Trump has got the endorsement of the KKK and the Taliban in the same election cycle? Because that, I mean, say what you like Unwelcome, about the, the big man himself, but that is an amazing achievement. Perhaps not one he intended, <laughs> but an amazing achievement nonetheless. I mean, he's covered everything off there. It's just a bit in the middle he's got a problem with. What I like about it is that, like the Trump, uh, the Trump setup, they've they've been, um, you know, you're gonna, I'm gonna say kowtowing to the to the to the Taliban, not involving uh, the 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 people who are actually involved, you know, the stakeholders in in a lot of the agreements. So they're just going straight to the people who you would probably loosely term as terrorists. Um, and obviously, um, in 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 peacetime, you'd probably say that's probably a, a decent thing that someone is willing to work with people. Um, they should really be involving the governments uh, out out in the Middle East, probably. But um, what I like about it is he shot himself in the foot there because the Taliban have come out in support of Donald Trump uh, this election, uh, you know, in in his uh, election uh, campaign. Very enjoyable, and not what you what not what you would have expected or needed, quite frankly. The I, I, Taliban have in, endorsed me. Not ideal as as a headline go. I think I think the um, one of the experts that I quite respect on 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 this kind of stuff was absolutely fuming that Donald Trump had invited the Taliban to Camp David. He was like, <laughs> does he have any understanding about like, what, what, so, what soft power is at all? Like, I mean, you can speak to the Taliban, you can negotiate with enemies, you can, and as you say, Pete, you need all the stakeholders around the table or whatever, but to invite them to Camp David is a little bit much. Um, but speak, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of like, um, uh, how, how shall I put this? Speaking of non-traditional uh, leaders, did you see mm. something that really surprised me? And I know you are someone who knows more about this part of the world than I do, so perhaps you can you can further contextualize it. I saw that um, the leader of North Korea, um, mm. Kim Jong Un, was actually crying in a um, in a public address this week. Oh right. So have you he, seen this? He, I've I've not seen this. I know he came. I know they did. They had a. Um... 
it was like a 50th anniversary or something. It, it, there was some kind of anniversary, um, and they had a sure force of tanks rolling down the uh, rolling down Pyongyang and stuff like that. So, um, but obviously he's you know people have been thinking that he's been very unwell for a very long time, but he's up and about and he's just showing everyone he can cry. Maybe he can just show he shows everyone his, his eye duct are working. So it's the um, are they called eye ducts. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Dawson, are they still called I Yeah, Doctor Dawson. Um, so he was speaking at a, a parade that marked the seventy fifth anniversary of the Workers Party, which of course was the ruling party in North Korea. And um, close. normally, close, close cigar from Donaldson's history lesson. Fiftieth <laughs> yes. anniversary is something. It's ballpark <laughs> history, guys. All right, it's ballpark <laughs> stuff. All right, he he. Um, whereas normally it would be a big, you know bombastic rhetoric and then showcasing new uh, missiles and military hardware, etc. Mm. Uh, which, which, by the way, let me make it, make it absolutely clear, that also happened. But he <laughs> he, he, he kind of apologised and said that, um, you know, the challenges have been really difficult and that they've had, in quite his own, his own words, unprecedented disasters. And then he removed his glasses and wiped away tears, an indication, according to analysts, of mounting pressure on his regime. I just found it really interesting because you think of, um, of, I mean, it's a horrendous regime and that, you know, obviously everyone involved should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves, if I may put it like that in a very British way. And for further reading on this stuff, you should read um, Nothing to Envy, in my opinion, which is a brilliant book by Barbara, someone, I forget who it was. But if you're interested in in the uh, in the North Korean regime, um, the book Nothing to Envy is a very, very interesting read. Um, but it, it's quite... A, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't profess to be an expert on it, but in the terms of the, on the, in the kind of dictator's playbook, is standing up on stage and crying like the way that it should be happening? I don't know. I think uh, I think Putin um, every now and again will sort of show a, a more human side, uh, be it um, scaring Angela Merkel with a dog or um, standing in the rain at a, a, a cenotaph. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think it's. Uh, it shows a more rounded humanitarian kind of figure um, when he's not firing anti-aircraft missiles into people. <laughs> but what, what probably, I'm saying is, Pete, he's clearly, he's clearly not around. Well, he is physically rounded, but he's not a rounded mm. um, humanitarian figure, is he? He's an absolute fucking cunt. No. And so, mm. and so, I mean, you'd you'd imagine that he's 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 not someone who's generally kind of predisposed to to um to to behaving in that way i just thought it was interesting mm. i mean it sent all the people who watch that part of the world all of a titter because normally you don't mm. get any change out of him so i just found it quite an interesting development but but changing mm. changing subject completely something that caught my eye this week is that um a the 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 most complete uh t-rex skeleton has just sold at auction for a record price. Uh, it's um, 70% um, complete. So it is basically the T-Rex skeleton that all the other kind of plaster of Paris models and all the other things are based mm. on. Um, guess how much it sold for? The guide price was 6 to $8 million. $23 million. Very close. $31.8 million. Um but the um, the the person who bought it has remained anonymous for now, and I think I think it would be a shame if it went to um, if it went to kind of private collection, no one could see it. But like it's called his nickname was yeah. Stan, and it was uh, it's got one hundred and ninety nine bones in it. Um, and the, the best bit about it, Pete, is this: the damage to the skeleton suggests the dinosaur was involved in a number of battles during its life. Love oh, that. lovely! Imagine the battles, Pete. 
Was it, was <laughs> that would be what, epic, wouldn't it? Was it the T Rex from Jurassic Park? Do you reckon? <laughs> I just, I, I just like, I've, I'm just, I've got the eBay listing up now, and uh, it was uh, the the auction was one. It wasn't sold on eBay, was it? Di- Dinosaur fucker ninety nine. Um, that was his account number. <laughs> you gonna fuck that skeleton? No. Um, yeah. I, I, does that seem like a a pretty decent price for the world's most complete skeleton of a of a dinosaur? But there's loads of them in the ground, mate. Stand. <laughs> Let's find them. If you spent twenty nine, thirty million on a dig, um, and you didn't find a, a dinosaur, you'd be bloody annoyed. So why don't you buy one of those? It's like um, people who sell gachapon um, capsules uh, that, that you already know what's in them. What are they? <laughs> uh, gachapon. They're like uh, Kinder eggs, but like big, bigger, and you buy them in vending machines, and you know you, you'll get one of five toys, and it's always the one you don't want. Ah, oh, okay, right. Okay, that's interesting. So, so I believe the reason that um, the reason that the dinosaur fossils and the complete fossils are so valuable and so rare is because the circumstances yeah. needed to create um, bones like that are quite. Um, they don't really happen very often. I think it, what needs to happen is the dinosaur in question needs to have died like near a tar pit or something. Oh, so it right. gets compacted and, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. so there's certain parts of the world. I think the, the Dakotas are famously quite good for it. Montana's really good for it in the US as well because yeah. of the topographical conditions. Uh, I think this particular dinosaur came from South Dakota. It was certainly on display at um, a geological research institute in South Dakota. Um, so mm. I think I think although they're very confident geologists and 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 uh, paleontologists about how the world kind of existed around those times and the timelines and everything through things like carbon dating and all the sort of scientific developments you you basically all you're seeing really is just examples rather than it being a general rule because obviously most mm. most things died and were eaten or died a different type of death and so you're really just looking for clues from these types of these types of preservations to, to, to kind of further ratify your theories. So and and and, that, and that's one of the biggest. I, I, I'm, I'm going a bit off piece here, but as far as I remember, uh, when I've read about it, this is why the theory of evolution is so rock solid because they've never once found a fossil that isn't in the same era that they'd expect it to be based on the research. Yeah. So, for yeah. example, you know, you see layers of like rock and stuff. You never see like. They talk about. I think the way they example the the example they use is rabbits and the Precambrians. That you never see like a fully formed like modern rabbit, like from like two hundred million years ago. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's all pretty interesting stuff, mate. All I want to know though is where's he going to put it? Because I suppose if he's going to spend thirty million dollars for a dinosaur skeleton, he's probably got a big a big old house. I I would be furious if I saw it at the car boot. That's all I'm saying. You'd probably pay more for it. (laughs) You'd probably pay him extra. Oh, what's Cheap that? Tip. What I'm saying, going back to Monday's episode when you paid extra for the for the for the um, for the wrestling figures, mm. what I would say is, you know, you said, "Oh, the money's going to a kid, so I paid more." If that kid's already got sixty wrestling figures, he's already too spoiled. Yeah, and, he needs and to learn also some hard lessons. His his mum was saying that he does. He he loves the, he loves the wrestling. He uh, he he does a wrestling uh, YouTube thing, and and I've effectively funded a rival um, wrestling. Pro, uh, content provider. You have, Where I? You Let have. That is, you didn't tell yeah. Mark Haynes that the year be absolutely fuming. No, you? no. I'd, and when I do, I'll bribe him with a, a broader's clear figure. 
um, shall we uh, head to email town? We've got a lot of emails at the moment. I, I feel like we've uh, we only ever get to spaff out a couple every episode. So uh, shall we take a shot at break and then come after that? Yeah, let's get in there early, and then yeah, then we'll come back and we'll do some emails. Good shout. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game-changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to the Luke and Pete Show. If you would like to get in touch with the show, the second half of the show is dedicated to all of your uh, dispatchers from the front line of wherever you may be, wherever you may reside. Hello at LukeandPeteShow.com to get involved. Got an email from, we got here, Daniel Schilling. Hello, gents. After listening to your recent show, Luke went on a mini rant, sounds like him, uh, stating how he hates it when people always credit Chris Akabusi when starting the phrase Awuga. Luke went on to mention that John Fashionu started it. This is also incorrect. It was actually started by Craig Charles, and it was used several times in the TV show Red Dwarf long before Fash started it. Keep up the great work, Daniel Schilling. Now, Luke, I'm only bringing this uh, email up to the table after your mini rant, um, (laughs) because I also thought that, but then I thought maybe it was just my um, childish, um, fevered brain being a little bit um, racist and just assuming all uh, black men on the television in the 80s were the same. Um, so I'm glad that my uh, that I'm not racist and I'm glad that I thought that Craig, because I was an avid watcher of uh, Red Dwarf and, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, big fan of Craig Charles on it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I also I saw this email and I thought, oh, right, that's a nice one. And, and, and so it's a key part of this show is people emailing us in, putting the... Um, hmm. 
putting the record straight. I mean, it's, it's, it's always chuckling. It's always funny to me when they say, keep up the great work at the end. Um, but, but I saw Craig Charles ranting about this same thing on Twitter. And I think he oh, ended up right, calling okay. John Fashion a rude word. Um, for, oh, for, for stealing it, so um, <laughs> so it's like it, it does seem to have. What there's, there's several stages. What seems to have happened is that Craig Charles was at the genesis of it via Red Dwarf, which, by the way, for mm. people of our age, Pete was an absolute must-watch back in the day, wasn't it? I had all the books. I had all of the um, fiction behind it. I used to know so much about Red Dwarf. Forgot it all. I loved it. I used to. I used to. I remember. I think it was on eight thirty on BBC Two, and I remember going up mm. to. I, at that point, I, had, I think at that point I had a TV in my bedroom, so I was able to go upstairs, uh, watch it on 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 the TV in the bedroom. It's just a highlight of the week. I remember the theme tune, everything. Uh, my favourite um, series because I came to it a little bit later was when um, was when they were on board Starbuck when they had been kicked off the yeah. main. Yeah, yeah. I think that was Do you reckon, is, that, is that accepted as the, as the best series generally, or is that just a poor take? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, once that once they're kind of like mired in, once they can't go around the whole ship, because I think it's the first two seasons they're on, on the on the main ship, and then Starbug. Yeah. Starbug was the one where they, um, I think that 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 series um, and maybe five was when they went to backwards world, and yes. um, Cat, who's this cool kind of ow kind of uh, um, Dwayne Dibley kind of character. Yeah, he became Dwayne Dibley. Um, so he went from being incredibly cool and stylish to being uh, Dwayne Dibley, and he just couldn't break out of this uncool veneer. Yeah, um, it was a very, was very really good fun. anyway. So so it started off there, Aruga. Then it's gone through to John Fashion, who, who some would say has stolen it then and then hmm. popularised it on the ITV rival broadcast as well, by the way. Drama, hmm. ITV... Uh, uh, vehicle Gladiators, which he presented with yeah. Rika Johnson in the in the in the nineties, and then through some kind of erroneous internet meme, it's then been attributed to Chris Akabusi. So yeah. it's had quite the journey. Yeah, and in the middle, John Fashionu, who I can confirm, I just said John Fashionu on Gladiators. I just said what? I just said John Fashion on Gladiators, and yes, he is a dick. Yeah, Fashionu. I know. And in the middle, and in the middle, let's not let's not us follow out over it. We're not what the I'm is boys. I started it. <laughs> and and Fashion oh, yeah, has yeah. got a reputation of, of a certain kind, hasn't he? Yeah, he's uh he uh, famously offered to pay his brother to not come out back in the day. Yeah. It's fun. All Pete, fun and can, games, isn't it, mate? Can, can I also just take a moment to imagine what it would have been like backstage in the nineties when they were filming Gladiators? Oh, I cannot imagine. It would have been I, so I mean, good. All the egos, man. <laughs> uh, they had very little to. I just always thought with 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 gladiators, they, did they really? Did they any of them really have personalities apart from Wolf? Wolf was like the angry one, and obviously he 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 sort of did that himself, um, much to the producer's chagrin. Um, and 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 yeah, he became a bit of a thing. But everyone else was just very cook, cookie cutter. They didn't have. They had very little say for themselves. They weren't very good at cutting promo, so to speak. They were all a bit poor, to be honest. But Wolf. He was uh, he was a he was a bit of a, a class apart, wasn't he? Yeah, Wolf was definitely the standout one. Yeah, um, mm. I think uh, there's a couple of a couple of things I would say about Shadow, but I think I'll probably avoid that because I haven't had time to check the legality. <laughs> We've spoken of it. about it before, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, and um, but but some of the characters really broke out. Do you remember Eugene Hart Hart? She broke through, and um, did she? Wesley Two Scoops. He broke through as well. Who the hell is that? So Eugene Hutt Hart was the one who just absolutely decimated all the competition. 
and smashed right. it. Wesley Two Scoops was kind of similar, but he got this um, amazing 90s breakthrough reputation. I imagine he had like loads of things like Panto afterwards because this is the time before right. the internet and really before reality TV. Um, yeah, I think he probably... And, and the reason the reason he became quite famous from what I remember is because he could jump over a car. <laughs> and that was like a big thing. We were also we were also innocent though in those days. That him being able yeah. to jump over a car as a partnership was like, holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> and um and so that that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, I reckon you, I could jump over a car. Do you know well don't you I mean I, I should stress for for the for the, your own safety's sake that the car at the time wasn't actually moving, it was a parked car. Um, oh, that's good. That's good. And I, one thing that actually has happened as a development at Chateau Mormont recently is that um, Mimi and I have started watching quite a lot of classic Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. That's a swerve. I wasn't expecting that. Well, nineties TV shows, nineties TV shows. Mate. Yeah, yeah. And and okay. um, one of the things that's quite interesting about it is Chris Tarrant as a host. Have you got any opinions on Chris Tarrant as a host? Um. I never understood the mania that accompanied, or the mania, or the, or the 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 how fond everybody was of him on Capital, because obviously I I joined Capital, the building soon after he'd left, yeah, um, and his and it, and it was his show was taken over by Johnny Vaughan, um, and I could never really understand the his his craft effectively. It just all seemed a bit bit basic and old school for me. So yeah. no, I, I don't really rate him as a host, really. Nice bloke, though. I've, I've, I've met him a couple of times before. Right, so when I joined Capital, it was already Vaughan, um, and he was always really lovely to me. But anyway, um, Chris Tarrant, the reason I bring this up is because you know you and I have talked about, although Michael Barrymore, for several reasons, was absolutely problematic, as a mm. presenter, he's amazing, right? Yeah, beyond 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 reproach. Yeah, and so uh, certainly not beyond reproach in his, in his other life, but as a presenter... Um, brilliant, right? Chris Tarrant does this thing on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire if you go watch it back. And it's on like Challenge TV all the time, so you can go and watch it. Mm. Where, in yeah. my view, he's clearly tried to um, bring in his own catchphrase, but it never right, works. Okay. And no one laughs, but he keeps doing it. <laughs> right? And it, what it is, is he, I don't know if you remember the show that well, but when they get to a certain level of money, he's got this check, which is written on behalf of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and it's got the amount on it. And it's kind of just a bit yeah. of a theatre because the show is quite formulaic, right? So what he mm. does is when they get the question right for like £32,000 or whatever, everyone claps. And he brings this check out, right? And he hands mm. it halfway over the desk. And the camera shot of it is like £32,000 to that person's name who wants to be a millionaire, right? And it's quite a dramatic piece of theatre for the show anyway. Mm. But then what he does is he, is he whips it away before they can grab it and says, we don't want to give you that, right? Like yeah. it's a catchphrase. But yeah. one, no one acknowledges it. Two, no one laughs or claps. But he does it every single episode to no response. <laughs> it's a really weird thing when you look back on it like 20 years on. I would recommend it. It feels like he is saying to the producers, we're doing this fucking catchphrase and it's going to take off at some point and I'm sticking out until it does. It never did. But I, I think, do you not think with that, um, it, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was the first TV show where ha people had a because it was such a large amount of money. Everyone had like a quite a reverential hush in the studio. Nobody wanted to make that much noise. Nobody hooted or hollered or stuff like that. And yeah. so it was a bit more grown up and a bit more frightening and a bit more yeah. People didn't show off as much in those days either. Remember <laughs> in those days, don't you reckon? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I thought, it wasn't I think... that long ago. I know that. 
because everyone's got like social media and there's um and there's like mobile phones and stuff and it's a much more of a celebrity based culture i just don't think people mm. were trying to make themselves a kind of a a the center of attention like for example you know alex from glastonbury does that tiago silver song with dave yeah, yeah, yeah that would never have happened like 25 years ago right People became little sort of stars and tiny little kind of... Well, first of all, Glastonbury was so non-mainstream 25 years ago that he wouldn't have even been there. But you know what I mean? No, true. No, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, like, I think we've always been like this, but yes, um, we've become a little bit more cynical when it comes to, oh, I could get something out of this. People might... He's like the yeah. um, like that guy, that, that the Mexican guy who um, was um, on TikTok... Uh, riding down the road on a skateboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. People are people, like drinking ocean spray and singing um, some Fleetwood Mac. Um, a lot of people very, you know, cynically go, oh, look, he's, he's just immediately, um, at, you know, he's immediately asking for a GoFundMe for, for money and stuff like that. Um, ocean spray, I've given him a van. I said, fucking use it. Fucking use it. You're you're the product. You People like you fucking sell out immediately. <laughs> yeah. The general, a couple of points off the back of that. One would be that... Um, that's part is to do with Twitter, right? Every time someone does a Twitter thing, that's tweet that's a, that goes viral, they put a little link underneath for something they care about, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that kind of thing. Yeah. Secondly, mm. um, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. You are the product. So remember that. And and thirdly, one thing that I always have to remind myself is that only twenty percent of the population of the UK and the USA are on Twitter, and only ten mm-hmm. percent tweet. So, yeah. so like you're talking about, even though it's a very influential thing, it's why it's very easy to drop into that bubble. That's why people who were on the Labour left under Corbyn before the, the previous election were absolutely stunned when they didn't win, when actually they were only speaking to a very, very small part of mm. British society and they were having their own opinions essentially spouted back to them. Obviously, people talk about it like an echo chamber. So a lot of things to take into account. By the way... um. We've got an email here from, <laughs> this is good, right? This is a bit of nominative determinism. It's a man called Nut, allergic to nuts. Um, mm. Dave Nut's been in touch. He says, hi, Luke and Pete. Having listened to your nut allergy chat, this is a subject I'm very well versed in. Firstly, I have a nut allergy, uh, not to every nut, but I try not to play Russian roulette with a box of black magic. Um, cut to one of my first stayovers at my now wife's house, and we started tucking into a succulent Chinese meal. Uh, I was unfamiliar with what the traditional Chinese hors d'oeuvres contained, so was munching into some chicken on a skewer when I declared, oh, when I declared, oh, this barbecue chicken has a kick. Yes, I wasn't aware what chicken satire was. Cue me bent over the toilet after spewing up blood and having lips as swollen as a, book, a boxer's who somehow managed to got... This is a very tortured analogy from Dave. And lips as swollen <laughs> as a boxer who somehow managed to get 12 rounds getting repeatedly punched in the mouth. Okay, so we get what you're going for there, Dave. Anyway... <laughs> a rushed trip to A&E and my clear distress got me to the front of the queue. What's your uh, allergy? Uh, what's your problem? I've got a nut allergy and I've just had a big mouthful of chicken satire. <laughs> what's your name? David Nutt. Uh, she tried to keep a straight face but couldn't contain a big old smirk. Needless to say, I got seen pretty quickly and I'm now very wary of food from the Far East because so much of it's cooked with peanuts or peanut oil. Mm. Uh, my allergy isn't actually that severe compared to others, but it does make buying food stuff rather tricky as nearly every manufacturer puts may contain traces of nuts or something similar 
on the packaging. Uh, it's cheaper to avoid a legal case than to uh, not do this, I guess. You'd be pleased to hear one thing I can happily munch on, uh, should I choose, is peanut butter Oreos, because incredibly, no nuts are used in the making of these. <laughs> and that is a great reflection of where we got to as a society. Anyway, he says, uh, I'm guessing there can't be many listeners allergic to their surname like I am, unless you have a Barry Pollen or a Steve Doghair amongst your listenership. Uh, best regards, Dave Nuts. Uh, or as I'm known to most wedding caterers, Dave Nut No Nuts. <laughs> oh, that's magical, Dave. You, what what a delicious, uh, excuse the turn of phrase, uh, situation to be in. You're, you're allergic to dog, uh, dogs, aren't you? Is it dog hair or something? Yeah, dog hair, dog dander. How's that so going? Dander you've got two dogs now, right? Dog- my name was Dog Dander Donaldson. I've got access to them, yeah, not mine, but um, Dog Dander Donaldson. Um, yeah, fine. I mean, not fine. Uh, my asthma has got exponentially worse, but, you know, <laughs> if decisions are going to be made, they're not going to go fall in my direction, in my favour, so fuck it. I was reading the other day that <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt, the great American president, was able to overcome his asthma with a rigorous outdoor lifestyle, Pete. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's what people say. Um, oh, yeah, you should just go swimming. I've got literal... I've got to take drugs in the morning and the night. A, a rigorous swim every morning is not going to help me. Would it hurt Outrageous. you, though? It wouldn't hurt me, no. It, would, it, probably, Pete, um, hurt, it probably would hurt me. I think I'm right in saying people who are allergic to cats are actually allergic to something in the cat's saliva, which because, mm. because they lick themselves to clean themselves all the time manifests itself in the cat hair, but it's not actually the cat hair. So is that, is that, yeah, the, same? Anything, that yeah. be the same with dogs though, right? Because dogs don't really clean themselves it's in that skin, way, do they? It's, it's skin cells. It's not the hair itself. It's the, the uh, same with cats. It's not the fur itself. It's it's the skin cells that are attached to the hair. Uh, we've probably spoken about it before. But anything, saliva, piss, sick, poop. <laughs> anything <laughs> saliva, with skin cells, piss and sick. My friend once said to me, yeah. I'm allergic to mushrooms. And the way that allergy manifests itself is that I really don't like the taste of them. <laughs> uh, but speaking of taking us back full circle because of course we started talking about a t-rex skeleton and now we're talking about animal mm. hair have you seen uh, there was something that broke online a week or so ago it was a picture of um some scientists who were picking over a perfectly preserved um um i think it was like a saber-toothed tiger or a woolly mammoth to the point mm. of where but the hair is all over the animal still. Like it's, it's obviously come out of the permafrost, and it looks absolutely yeah. perfect. It looked like it died yesterday. Beautiful. That's majestic. Well, at least they know they've got it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, phew. I bet a lot of scientists got phew. I'm so yeah. glad we got that one right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not like that. It's not like the uh, what's that um, museum ah, in the in the southeast near Forest Hill um, where they've got a big fat walrus. Oh, the Horniman Museum. Horniman Museum. It's a brilliant walrus, by the way. It's a a lovely fat walrus. Beautiful. I mean, it would have been big anyway. You know what I mean? It would have been a majestic beast anyway without all the stuff in it. Um, Do you remember remember that story I told you about the the guy who had to taxidermy the lion, but he'd never seen a lion before in the the 18th century? It looks like a cartoon lion. It's brilliant. It's got its tongue Mm. sticking out and everything, and it's got teeth like a a normal human. There was a there was a um, there was a, a Twitter thread of uh, animals uh, drawn by people who'd never seen the animals in real life uh, medieval drawings. But then um, uh, quite recently, and there, there's some amazing kind of pictures of like horses with eyes at the front of their face and stuff like that. Um, though why you'd never seen a horse, I don't know. But apparently, a lot of the um, pictures were satirical. If there's like a there was there was a case of like two cats that were in like an old old painting. 
from back in the day. Um, and they'd painted the face to look like they'd painted everything beautifully. Everything looked very accurate. And then when it came to these two cats, um, they had these withering human faces. Um, but apparently it was it was to do with uh, you know mugging off the king or something. Well, satire um, was I, I, well there. Look, I love cat face satire. What can I say? There's an evolutionary reason why. I said satire, why. Dave, not. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, this chicken satire is really cutting. Um, <laughs> um, there's a reason why, evolutionary reason why eyes are in different places on different animals. You know that, right? Yeah. Sheep have got a very wide field of vision, so their their pupils are really flat as well. Yeah. Ugh, so if, they're, if, they're, if the animals are prey, their eyes tend to be on the side of their heads, and if they're predators, they tend to be forward. Well, there you go. That's yeah. nice, that. Um, a job. Yeah, there we go. Um, on that bombshell, um, I think we should probably leave Good it shell. there, Pete. We're back on Monday, as we always are, with another episode of the Luke and Pete Show. Um, do get in touch. Hello at lukeandpeteshow.com. Perhaps you're allergic to something strange. Let us know about it. Let us know your experiences of it. Um, uh, or you your perhaps you, You've also well, bought a gigantic dinosaur skeleton, and you want to tell us about it. Say again, Pete. What's your dad into? Has your dad got into something later in life? Like Luke's dad, uh, we spoke about this last week. Yeah, um, I forgot to ask this at the end of that that show. Um, has your dad gotten into something later in later in life? Because obviously Luke's dad is into restoring things and turbocharging vans. Yeah, keep it clean. Not not like oh, he just harasses Instagram models <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Just keep keep it quite wholesome. I think it's good when yeah. dads are wholesome, isn't it? I love a wholesome dad. Yeah, same. Couldn't eat a whole one. Right, hello at lukeandpeteshow.com to get in touch. We'll be back next time. Tell all your friends. Leave us a review. It's great to speak to you. Hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Say goodbye, Peter. A wooga. And it's a wooga from me as well. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.